Welcome back everyone to episode 15 of the Rugby Abroad podcast. We've had a little break but uh, on the return I'm bringing to you one of the up and coming names in English rugby at the moment, Zach Henry. Zach, thanks for joining us on the podcast mate. It's great to see you. We go back a long time and it's awesome to see you doing so well tearing up in English rugby. How are you mate? No, I'm good, thanks, mate. Good to see you. Good to be on. Uh, it's been a while, but um, yeah, I'm doing well, thanks, mate. Just keeping busy during the lockdown, training. I'm doing um, doing a master's in sports psychology and psychology, so that's keeping me busy. Awesome. And yeah, just cracking on. Awesome, mate. Well, as you know, the, the podcast is about your experiences abroad. Um, so I just wanted to get your, your insights into French rugby and how did you get out there? How did you, how did you go from playing in England to playing in France? Yeah, it was a bit of a, bit of a weird start. Um, I was at obviously University of Bath uh, and I wanted to play, play professionally and I thought I had the ability to, but I didn't have any offers in England, had no, well, like, no options. Um, and luckily my coach at Bath was friends with Richard Hill the ex-England scrum half, who is coaching still out in Rouen. In, they were in Fed 1 at the time, which is the third yeah. division of Fed But now they're in Pro D2. Um, and he said, like, oh, we're willing to take on take on Zach for a season, just see what he's like. So I went for a season, played some third division France, which was such good experience. And I ended up staying for four years. And then, uh, yeah, now I'm, now I'm back here. Obviously fluent in French with four years. Fluent in French. Yeah, fluent in French was like a massive help, like especially playing 10. I had, um, like especially at Nevers, sorry, my dog's making a bit of noise. Um, especially at Nevers, like we, a lot of the time we had, in my first season, we had a nine who didn't speak any French and a 12 whose English wasn't very good. So it was good, yeah. to, it was good for the learning, but also so important, like obviously being able to, to switch between the two. That's awesome. So you started off in Fed 1 and... How, how long did you stay there? So I was in Fed 1 for two years. Um, yeah. And in the first year, we sort of won the trophy John Pratt, which was like the, um, it wasn't the pool elite at the time. We uh, yeah, So we it's like winning winning the Fed 1, but they don't get promoted or something. Yeah, winning the Fed 1, but you don't have the like off-field things necessary to get promoted. Um, yeah. And then second year, we got to the final and we could have got promoted. We were fully ready to get promoted, but we lost the double header final and then signed for Nevers for two years in Pro D2 um, but that that Rouen team it was amazing because it was like we were in Fed 1 but there was some like absolutely legendary blokes we had such a good team like a good core of like English guys which helped like we were yeah. in a cool city and then we also had like some big players we had like Jan Thomas who plays for Bristol and um, we had like Tom Arscott who's obviously at Newcastle now we had Martin Roberts who had, had Wales caps and stuff so played years amazing. in the yeah yeah I remember actually that year that you were in Rouen is obviously the north of France you were just like a stone's throw away from where I was playing in Jersey I'm sure yeah. um, I'm sure I saw you on the island one, one once or twice yeah I think we crossed <laughs> I think we crossed paths a little bit we had uh, it was quality because you get like it was like three or four weeks on and then yeah. a week off and like in those weeks off we could like just go anywhere do anything and yeah I think a few of them weekends we went over to Jersey and had a bit of a mad one so I think I may have seen you there Nice. Yeah, I think it was probably on a mad one. The memory's vague, to say the least. Um, so, yeah, mate, mate I, that, that opportunity that presented itself in France, was that 
was that more you taking a, like a risk and going out there or is it them taking a risk on you when you spoke to Richard Hill? Do you know, what? I think it was a bit of both. I think like firstly, I just had, like, I got dropped from academy, went the uni route, uh, ended up with the French route and stuff. But firstly, I couldn't be more thankful for all of that. Like I think it's given me such good like life experiences and yeah. I'm, I'm actually so happy with the way it panned out. But I think... It was it was a massive risk for me. I think my even like telling my family who've always backed like the decisions I've made, telling them I'm going to this club in Rouen, and you like Googled Rouen, and there was honestly like a picture of a like it looked like a park with like two rugby players. <laughs> um, but I think they were like, "What are you doing? Like you want to be a professional rugby player and you're doing this?" But something yeah. about it felt right. The way Richard Hill presented it to me, and at the time he signed me as a second team. They had Luke Cousins there, who's one of my really good mates now. And yeah. They signed me as a second team 10. And it was almost like they were doing me a favour, like giving me a year abroad to, pardon the pun with your uh, name of the podcast. But... <laughs> well played, well played. Yeah. It was almost like they were doing me a favour, like uh, just giving me a year out there, but ended up like playing loads and, and obviously like catching the eye of Pro D2 teams and then sort of developed from there. And obviously you mentioned you had like a good group of guys. Was there some good experiences? Any like, any me great memories made, stories to tell? It was, honestly, my first year out there was just absolute anarchy. Like it was, <laughs> the boys were quality. We had such a good time, weekends in Jersey and stuff like that. But it, yeah, it was absolutely mental. There was things like we had, we had a semi-final against, I can't remember who it was against, but like a proper big game. And for me in my career, this was huge. It was like my first bit of knockout rugby, like a semi-final to like go into the Fed one final and we were buzzing. And Richard Hill in classic Richard Hill fashion had organised like a prison visit for like the wet, the game was like on a Saturday. Was, like, on, a <laughs> on a Wednesday yeah. we had a prison visit and we were meant to just like chuck a ball around with some the well-behaved prisoners. And Rouen prisons, like, I think it's known for sort of like the worst of crimes. I think there's like bad, <laughs> bad people in there, like yeah. uh, literally like terrorists and stuff. And we were like, we were playing this this rugby and just doing a few drills with them. And we ended up in a game of touch. And I was like, surely we're not serious here. And Richard Hill was like, go on, like crack on, it'll be fine. Like get in there, get in the mix. Yeah. And it ended up be, like getting being full biff. And I'm like, <laughs> I've, I genuinely remember I've like taken the ball like out, like off the nine. And one of these prisoners is flying out, flown out the line <laughs> and just belted me. And we're on like, we're on like the, this rock solid AstroTurf. I've been belted, I'm like lying on the floor like, <laughs> after a massive collision. And all the lads are just laughing, Richard Hill's laughing, and I'm like, this can't be serious. Like, we've got a semi class. But yeah, there was Did loads you play? of stuff. You go back to play then? Yeah, I'm, I made it back, I made it through. Um, and like one that I actually, I, I said to a few friends that I'm coming on this, um, and uh, do they remember any funny stories or anything like that? And one of them that stood out was our SNC coach, Owen. He was trying. He was always trying to do a good job on the um, on the S on the nutrition side of things, which obviously in France is a that's a tough ask. Uh, the lunches were weren't exactly up to standard. But one time we came out and we had training in the afternoon, and we were eating about forty five minutes before training. And the kit man, who was a bit of a cowboy but an absolute legend of a bloke, <laughs> yeah. he had brought out like a rum cake, and it had so much rum on it. They're like boys are like eating up this rum and it like tasted of alcohol. And he's like, Owen, the SNC coach, he's like, come downstairs. And he's like, he could smell the alcohol from like walking in the door. And he's like, lads, you are not eating that before training. And boys are out there training with their stomachs full of like rum cake, like feeling the <laughs> it. 
professional. Yeah, every week there was something that was absolutely nuts, but we just we just reveled in it. We just loved it. No, it's like professional rugby in France is just a different story, isn't it? You just, you just I remember from my experience there, you, you have guys just like literally go, walking out from the change rooms to training, just smoking fags left, right and centre, coming back in, get, pulling, their, pulling their cigarette pack out their pocket, literally on the way into, instead of water, it's like cigarettes. It's incredible, Listen, some of I these guys. Obviously, I can't speak on top 14 because I've, I've not played there, but Pro D2 and Fed 1. I try and explain to like some of the Leicester boys when we're when we're having a chat and telling stories, like some of the stuff that goes on. But I feel like you have to see it to believe it. Like every day yeah. is like here in England, like being at Leicester, pretty much every week, every day, there's nothing, nothing too out of the ordinary happens. We turn up, things are proper, we train, like <laughs> yeah. we leave and we play a game on the weekend and it's all quite proper. And in France, once a week or twice a week, stuff would happen. Like you say, just like coaches offering up boys cigarettes and then we go in the like people smoking with the coach and then we go in the video room and he's pointing out how people aren't fit enough getting around the corner and stuff and you're just <laughs> yeah. like what's happening it's um, just yeah. one it, thing doesn't add up to the no, other you've got to experience and it's also like the advice i've given to friends who have gone out since is like you have to get on board with it there's not every british person or kiwi aussie islander that goes over there and tries to change things they don't succeed, they get stressed and they end up leaving and having a crap experience. Yeah, like you have so right. to laugh, with, laugh along with it, get on board with it and find it funny because you're not going to, you're never going to change yeah. side of things. But is, what was the step up from, from this kind of uh, federal one level to Pro D2? Was that a big, big difference? Obviously the, the, the French vibe's still the same, but, but was it a difference in level? Yeah, 100%. Like, Pro D2 is actually just, I think it's such a brilliant league. Like, the the experience is unbelievable. The the training ground, like, we had was insane. The, like, there's so much money in it. The TV rights, the fact it's, the fans are, there's packed stadiums every week, the passion. And it's not just, like, people watching a rugby game. They're, like, playing the band. They're, like, the big shirts being passed around the stadium. They're apt, They're so invested. And just yeah. like there's so many good players in there. So the standard of rugby is good, but I think the thing it misses is that level of professionalism. But if in terms of enjoyment and stuff like we away days in Biarritz or in Perpignan or Bayonne or stuff, Breathe, like playing in those stadiums or like turning up in the bus and the fans are all like lined up. And it's it's such a cool experience. So it was a step up, but it was it was honestly an unbelievable experience. And then that that step up kind of led you back home. In a in a big circle, um, yeah, exactly. to like where where there wasn't a contract before when you came out of university or any any kind of opportunities you've gone on, gone on a bit of a journey and gone full circle and ended up back at Leicester Tigers. How's um how's that been? Has that been another step up or is like you mentioned the professionality or the professionalism yeah. of of the team there? Um, is has that has the your Pro D two experience led nicely into the into being in the Premiership? Yeah, well, I think like. What what Pro D2 gave me was just game time. And as a young 10 who like had no opportunities in terms of that, like it was invaluable. I just played so much rugby week in, week out, learned so much. Um, and I always said that like, I don't want to be an English player who plays their whole career in France. I would like to hopefully get a premiership cap one day. That was always yeah. the dream. Um, and it felt like the right time to come back. Uh, had some really good conversations with the club and ended up coming back. Um, but the the levels here, I think it there's two step ups really because it's 
the step up of premiership, but then also the the new regime. I came in at a time where I think it was a bit of a transition period at Tigers, um, coming in like Steve Borthwick bringing in like really high standards and trying to get this club back to where it previously was. It's been a it's been a double step up. I've learned so much, like so much in such a short period of time. The intensity of training, how we work, and everything is so different to what I was used to in France. So, like yeah. challenging times, but I've loved the challenge. But yeah, definitely a massive, massive step up. And I think you've you've knocked you've knocked up your hundred already, haven't you? Hundred points for the club. Yeah, I think I scored yeah hundred points, and it was on. We had a European game against Connacht on the weekend, and that was my twentieth Tigers appearance to get oh, like mate. a. Quite cool. So, managed to notch up quite a lot of games, which I'm buzzing about. Um, and I think like the best way to learn is is through that. Obviously, the training and stuff's brilliant, but being on the pitch, which surrounded by brilliant players and in these pressure situations, like I've made a lot of mistakes and made a lot of errors, but you learn so much. Yeah. Was that was there options at the time before you decided to move to stay in France? Was there anything interesting that that was kind yeah, of there for you? It's 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 a weird one because you sort of. I went abroad and then all of a sudden there was like offers and opportunities and stuff. It's, it's almost like people, I don't know, like not they want what they can't have, but it's almost like you, you go elsewhere and all of a sudden people are saying, oh, that player's out there. And, but when I was at uni, I guess no one really, really had any interest. But um, yeah. yeah, there was a few offers. There was a few offers in France, um, a few sniffs from top 14 and like, like uh, the pro 14 and like a few other Prem clubs. But it just see like the the conversations I had with Tigers, the club. They came out to France and watched the game, and we had a good chat and stuff like that. And there was, um, yeah, how just was that the, experience? Did you know they were come? Did you know they were there before? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, they they chose the Provence away game, so yeah. they they knew what they were doing because that's obviously the best spot in France. But um, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> it was pretty surreal. I, I'm sort of there just in Pro D two doing my weekly thing, and then I'm in the Provence Stadium, and there's like I've got like representatives from Leicester Tigers coming out to watch and potentially make a signing. So that was, that was a really cool experience. Um, and then I signed on the back of that and yeah. And then sort of the end of the season with Nevers, we were flying. It was the most, it was probably the most I've ever enjoyed my rugby just in terms of that week in week out. I don't know when things click. I don't know what it was, but we were flying. We were winning some mental games. We had quite a lot of time off. So as a team, we, I brought, um, we had a little week off after we beat Grenoble at home, which was like a mental game. The like stadium and everything was rocking. It was crazy. Can you can you say that in an English accent just for the people that Grenoble. don't know that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank Everyone you. Everyone says Grenoble, but it's like Grenoble. Um, yeah. yeah, we won that won that game, and then I took I think it was eleven French boys, most of whom speak zero English. We got on a flight in the morning. It was me, my Irish mate. Frank Bradshaw, who's still at Nevers now, he was yeah. at Munster, and then like we'll have to get him on the pod. Yeah, get him on the pod. Honestly, he's got some stories as well. Um, yeah. But we took ten of us or eleven of us to London, got an Airbnb in London Bridge, and we were there for like three days, and it was anarchy. Like it was so <laughs> funny. Just letting these French boys like like loose for the for the weekend was was absolutely phenomenal. It was unbelievable. That's awesome, mate. And um, you met, you've mentioned uni a few times uh, back in the UK. I, I don't know if you get the feeling, I definitely get the feeling that there's more and more guys look, looking for opportunities after uni and not really finding them at home or not really finding them 
in the UK and more and more guys are, are interested in going abroad. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that's a reflection on the, on the game in England? Well, I just think like if you, like firstly, if you look at France, they've got 48 teams in Fed One, all of which, <clears throat> not all of them are professional. I'm, I don't actually know the statistic, but I'd say at least 15 of them are professional, maybe 10, 15. Even the ones that aren't have like brilliant stadiums, like pretty good facilities, like they'll get a good fan base. You'll play some good rugby. Um, and then Pro D2 is obviously the second division, which has like like massive fans, TV rights, good players, like all that sort of thing, good money, sustainable money. And then top 14 is obviously amazing. Um, but then in England, you've sort of got the academy system, which I felt, I can only speak on when I was younger, but I picked the bigger lads and I was a late developer. Um, I thought I had skills and stuff like that, but wasn't in any physical condition. I'm still not in any physical condition <laughs> playing rugby. Um, but, and then, so if you don't make academy, yeah, you've got to go the uni route, which is brilliant and away from rugby, brilliant to get a degree and stuff like that. But then you've, you've sort of got the champ, but obviously at the moment you're looking at not getting a sustainable salary. You're looking at like how many teams are part-time in the champ now, the pitches, the, the, the crowds, like it's like a, a prem clubs really looking into the champ as a pathway to pull players from and give them contracts. I'm not certain, like, as you, you know, my brother very well, and he spent his majority of his career in the champ and his, his experience is a mentor. I mean, he could write a book on some of the, the savage stuff that happened to him in the champ. Um, yeah. So I think options wise, when you come out of uni and you've yeah. got no, um, go on. No, I think you're, you're kind of uh, lucky to have missed that chapter, the championship chapter, yeah, uh, exactly. which, which, which I, de I certainly partook in for, for one year, which was, it. look, it's an interesting experience. It's something that at the time when I was playing in the champ, it was, it was a bit more professional than what it is now. There was almost all the teams there, apart from, I think, that year, Richmond were, were fully professional. Um, and now I think there's only three or maybe four, maybe five that, that are full-time. Um, so your options are limited, like you say, uh, as you finish uni. But um, especially and if also it's, just if like, like, I feel like, obviously I can't speak on the champ myself, but like with my brother, it was just like, it, in terms of like when you finish uni students, you don't have like any leverage, like clubs can literally be like, oh, I'll pay you bloody like five grand yeah. or whatever and take it or leave it whereas yeah. I feel like in France there's there was just so much when I got there I was just, there was so many clubs so many experiences so many different areas so many and the thing is the popular like you could say France is a bigger country which it is but the population yeah. is still the same and like RF like the RFU and rugby in England were meant to be one of the biggest in the world and stuff so it's yeah, like it's, I, yeah. I don't know whether the RFU is trying to go more towards like a southern southern hemisphere model and kind of, well, it definitely seems like it is in terms of um, deprofessionalizing the game um, yeah. across the board, apart from if you're at like top, top level, be it, be it premiership, um, you, you, you've then got like academies and, and universities who kind of will make up the, the, the next level of players, which will be essentially like what, an, an amateur championship. Yeah, it seems like that's the way it's going, which is it's, it's a bit of a shame because it I think it takes a lot, a lot of opportunities away from guys that that will end up, not that it's a bad thing going abroad, but they will end up losing out on on players and maybe 
Yeah, where maybe they could have they could have had them for for years or more. Yeah, and speaking to mates, I've got plenty of mates who are unbelievable, like really talented rugby players who work, who haven't or won't necessarily get a look in into yeah. the Premier. And I just think seeing that Pro D two model, seeing how even though we were in the second division in France, we were treated like Prem players, top fourteen players in all aspects of life, be it like the the social aspects of being noticed and being like having a bit of notoriety or the rugby aspect, the training ground facilities were insane. The facts, like the contracts were great and you get given a car and you get looked after and the health insurance, the medical side of things, all that. Like if that was brought into England, the amount of talented rugby players in England, that would, that would be like, it would be such a good spectacle. Like it, it wouldn't matter if it's Leicester Tigers be Bath or whether it was, I don't know, Hartbury versus London Scottish. Like you could create a model that, that allowed for that to be a brilliant fixture that people wanted to watch, but obviously it would require the interest in the investment that is probably not getting at the moment. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if the, argue, the argument that's always used is, well, there just isn't the interest in championship rugby. Um, but you look at the crowds that, that go to games and stuff and you look at uh, the, when they put championship rugby on TV, how many viewers are they getting? Maybe it's just, it's just not possible in England. Yeah, exactly. And that. And that's the thing about France is like it's it's almost like like a fed one team will be playing a bottom of the table clash and it won't like it's not really you wouldn't see it as a big match if you're a big if you're an English rugby fan you, you want to watch top 14 and maybe Pro D2 but to yeah. the fans and the locals they'll all come out in their masses to support the team so you get big gate numbers and stuff like that. It's just more the the culture over there of rugby is just massive. It's like you go and support your local team. And Nevers isn't. It's the population of Nevers was thirty five thousand, but we'd have almost ten thousand at every game, going yeah. mental and really invested. So yeah, I remember I played there a few times, and it was one of the best atmospheres probably in the league, wasn't it? Crazy. Easy. We had a we had a good battle there, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. No, mate, that's class. So what's, what's the plan going forward? You, you're obviously settled in nicely at Leicester. Um, you've got George Ford, obviously above you in the pecking order. Um, how's that, playing under someone with his, his kind of experience? No, it's cool. It's, it's mental. But the thing is, is this year, I think he's only played two games because he's, yeah. they had the, he's been away with England. They had like the Autumn Nations Cup or whatever it was called. And then at Christmas, we had like two games COVIDed off. And then he had the Six Nations. So he's not really been here that much, but <clears throat> training with him and playing with him, not just him, like we got Richard Wigglesworth, Ben Youngs, like all these boys um, in the back line. Like it's, it's been so good for my learning. Like you can, there's just stuff, obviously, being in Fed One, being at uni, Fed One and Pro D2, while all these boys have been with the best coaches and the best regimes and stuff over the last years. There's so much I've missed and so much I'm yeah. probably a bit raw with. So training and playing with these guys is is brilliant and then in terms of going forward like I'm contracted this year and next year with Tigers and then who knows take it week by week see see what the future holds awesome awesome and um could that include going back abroad or you've not really thought about it oh yeah I definitely yeah I, I haven't obviously you never know like what's mad about this game me and the boys speak about it quite a lot is how quickly things change it's up and down it's left and right it's very unpredictable um, but I would yeah in my head I'd definitely like to finish my career in France or go back and spend some more time there it was just well when I say France rugby gives you the chance to experience anything there's 
so many countries with so many cool things to offer. So I'm definitely someone who'd like to travel a bit and experience some things. But at the moment, I'm loving the challenge of being in the Prem and seeing how I can seeing how I can keep doing that. Well, mate, what would you give as as advice to someone like in your position who was in a similar position to you coming out of uni, or you know thinking about going to uni? without any options to, to turn pro, that was their, you know, their objective or, but, but maybe there was something that a sniff abroad that could, that could lead to something, something special. What would you, uh, what would you advise them? Obviously you mentioned it was kind of a, uh, a funny thing to have to say to your parents that you're going to this remote location in, in France, you know, would, did, yeah. did they stick their noses up? Would, would, would someone get that kind of reaction if they were going to their family to tell them they were like, you know, off to, off to like the middle of Europe or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think like I think firstly is like game. The first thing I would say is game time. Like you have to get game time because there's only so much learning you can do in training. Like you learn so much from a get. Like I think one game is worth so, like weeks of training. And I just think so game time. So any club or anywhere that's providing you game time. I was actually talking to I've got a mate who's been loaned out from a prem club to a champ club, and we were talking about it in even that can seem like a step backwards, but it's not, it's game time. Like you've, yeah. it's better play rugby, just play rugby, soak it up, play as much as you can. It's funny, it's funny you say that, mate. Go on, sorry to interrupt, but I just mentioned this point that that in um, the current situation we're in, we've got guys like that haven't played in like a year. And you, yeah. you mentioned the importance of, of game time. We've had obviously the COVID situation and so many leagues, like good leagues, good levels have been cancelled. The Federal One like you, you, that you played in, um, the the national one in England, totally canned. So guys yeah. are, are lacking in that area. And some, you know, remote leagues in Europe have, have been playing. And like where I am in Italy, we've been, we've been lucky enough to be playing this year. Um, so, yeah, sorry, I'll let you continue your point. But it's, it's just an interesting one. 100% like exactly agree with you and like get game time like if, if you're serious about a rugby career it's just like about getting game time but secondly I'd say is I think a lot of people I have it back here people are like oh I want to go to France sounds amazing and blah 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 but the, the actual jump and understandably the actual jump to move country especially at 2021 when all you know is living in England or whatever and going on holiday a few times like it is a daunting thing but yeah. what like and at the, at the time it was definitely daunting for me um but and like I said like my family initially were like what are you doing and then after a few weeks there they were sold but um like that what it's given me off field like when I retire and stuff the fact I can speak French the fact I fact I've like some of my some people I would class as best mates now are French people or like people in another country I would never have had that if I'd have stayed in stayed in England and I feel now like I don't know it's it's given me so much more than I could ever have hoped away from rugby that initially the jump can be tough and the start of learning a language stuff can be tough but opens up a whole new world and like at Nevers I think we had 12 different nationalities at the training ground and stuff so that opportunity to learn about the world learn about where different people grew up like all of that it's just massive rather than slogging it out trying to fight for an academy position and stuff like yeah. that yeah I'd always advise just just making the jump yeah, I guess to, to wherever you can play games, like you say, it's, it's that that importance of of not just you know sitting as a third fourth choice or or you know fighting for for scraps uh, is so important. 
being able yeah. to express yourself on on the pitch. Like you say, it's 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 worth way more than than three weeks of training. Just just like one match, one start. You know, some bit of confidence from the coach. Did you have it? Did you have it? Did you ever have any periods while you were over in France where you weren't playing and you didn't have that the backing of the coach? No, I was lucky actually. I had uh, two two coaches that I got on really well with, um, and got managed to get a lot of game time. The only time I didn't was when I uh, injured myself, and I don't you you remember seeing the photos of my teeth? Um, like I, I do. Knocked my front four teeth out, snapped my jaw in half, and lost ten kilos because I couldn't eat for about six weeks and all that. But so through yeah through injury, there was times I didn't play, but no, I was lucky enough to to knock up a lot of games and. Games like like playing like when teams like Perpignan, Brieve, like Oyonnax, these teams, Grenoble, um, when they <laughs> when they come down from top fourteen, but they keep their team together. Like there was little old me at twenty one, twenty two, playing away in their stadium in front of like fifteen thousand, twenty thousand, whatever. Those experiences, like I would have, let's say I did end up getting a championship contract and being the third choice ten in the champ, I'd never have had that. So in terms of like decision-making, pressure, kicking under pressure, all that to prepare me for the premiership. Yeah. Like my experiences were just so valuable. Yeah, I guess there's there's two points on that with France is that there's, when when they've got this whole different attitude towards home and away fixtures. And oh, it's crazy, man. When, you, when you're just starting out, if you're a new player in a club, they're always going to drop you in it for the away games because the, yeah. for them, the, the home match is obviously so important, isn't it? And... And the away matches is sort of like okay, it's important, obviously, that we put in a good show, like a good shift. But it's not the result at the end of the day. It's not. It's not what our fans are are sort of paying for their season tickets for. Those are those are the home matches, which are absolutely key. So you you are going to get an opportunity to play in those massive stadiums, which is. I remember my first year in France, and a, and a few matches just that you just dropped in it, and it's just unbelievable to to be there. Grenoble was actually my first away game in France, and it was a good big uh, stadium, big stadium, yeah, there. yeah, awesome uh, stadium. And and it, there's this other thing that I was going to say, which is we're, we're obviously both fly halves, and um, there's there's a, a view, a kind of like unspoken thing in France that if you've got a there's like an extra trust in an English ten of uh, I don't know, maybe you've had a similar experience with that kind of being an English ten in France and and that responsibility that comes with it. Yeah, I think they expect, they almost expect foreigners to, It's to, with foreigners, you're sort of, not you live by the sword, die by the sword, but it's almost like you get entrusted so much more because they know that foreigners, we tend to actually like enjoy training, enjoy going to the gym, we do our stretching on the side, like all that sort of stuff because they know we're a bit more professional. And they also like the fact that we, I guess, bring a bit of structure to it because it's so loose that when they do get a British tan, <clears throat> they like that you can bring that sort of English side of structure to things, but they also expect you to be the best at all times and never make a mistake and never. Let... So when you do, you, like you get trusted more, like you say, but if you make a mistake, the foreigners can get blamed. They're like there could be no foreigners playing and the boys get pumped by 40 and the coach will be at the foreigners. Like, why did we play crap? Like just going at the foreigners. So it can, yeah, it's, it's a double-edged, double-edged sword. Um, but going back to what you were saying about that away mentality, like, firstly, back to what we were saying about game time. Yeah, you will get game time because even if you're third choice 10 or whatever, they'll they'll chuck you, they'll start you every other week when it's big games away from home to save their starting 10. 
<clears throat> so even if you don't think you're that involved, you can end up notching 12, 15 games a season easy. Um, but secondly, yeah, the away day mentality is insane. Like we beat... Uh, it was for Nevers. We had first game of the season in my first year. We had Borgon Bress at home and we beat them. I think it was like 54 6 or something. Absolutely pumped them. They had just come up from Fed One. Nevers were established in Pro D2 by then. Like, brilliant, easy result. And then we played them at their place and we lost. And it's just like, it was the same teams. It was literally the same yeah. team on a, on a rugby pitch with two posts. And somehow yeah. they, they don't even bring it closer. They actually win the game. And it's just like, it's mental. And I actually remember, I won't name names because that would be a, the ultimate Judas, but um, <laughs> we were <clears throat> we had an away game at Provence last season, it was. And we were at a petrol... And I genuinely felt like we were going to beat them. We had already beaten them at home. We had sent a pretty good team and we were feeling good, had a really good week's training, had already won a few games on the bounce. And we were playing Provence. We were on the bus down and we were at a services. And one of the, one of the French lads was having a fag having a cigarette around the back and I remember talking to him and we were talking about getting some time off or whatever and I was like yeah well obviously we won last week we'll win this week and then blah, blah. and he stopped me he was like I'm going to stop you right there and I was like what do you mean and he was like give it up Zach and I was like what are you talking about he was like obviously we're not going to win tomorrow night <laughs> I, was like, I couldn't believe and this is like a big time player in the team like, I was like I cannot believe that that is your mentality going into a game just like yeah and if all the if all the French lads or like they have that mentality, then obviously you're never going to get a result. So it's, it was bizarre it's, in that. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. I, my first season in the Pro D2, we, I was playing for Massey, who had just, just promoted in Paris. And um, they were like sort of the whipping boys, or you would expect them to be the whipping boys, but we were, we were pretty much almost unbeaten at home the entire season against like all the big name clubs. They, they'd come sort of... They've, they've got that like blasé attitude. The, the French are coming and just like expecting to lose. And I, I think only um, a couple of teams, the, the top two, managed to turn us over at home. But it was like last game of the season, we played against, um, I think it was Narbonne, a big club in the south of France. And Massey needed a, a bonus point win to, to um, stay up in the Pro D2 for the following season. And... Um, you don't get, it's not easy to get bonus point wins, as you know, in the Pro D2, it's just slightly different rules, it's not just scoring four tries, you've got to score three more tries than the other side, I think, and, yeah, yeah. and, um, and so, but obviously there's this kind of like magical thing that they have, that being at home just means they just literally are willing to die for the, for the shirt, <laughs> which is like completely the opposite, you go away from home, everyone's just like playing, playing cards, having smoking fags on the bus and, and you're just like, and no one could, could care less. But um, it's, it's such, a, such a juxtaposition, isn't it, of, uh, of attitudes. Well, I think like uh, one of the lads the other day actually asked me what the, what the playoff situation is with Pro D2 and I went through it quickly. I was like, right, so one and two, one and two go directly into a semi-final, three plays six, four plays five in a quarter-final. The winners of that go into the semi-final against one and two, but it's at the stadiums of one and two. Basically, so, whoever's at home wins. <laughs> yeah, so normally one and two will win. And then the Pro D2 final is a neutral ground, so that's an interesting game. But then the, the winner of Pro D2 goes to top 14. The loser of top 14 comes down. But then there's an accession game, which is sick. Like It's, it's nuts, which is the loser of the Pro D2 final plays the second bottom of top 14 at the stadium of the Pro D2 team. And you would always expect 
the top 14 team to win that because they've been in top 14 all year. They've got star-studded players. Unless you are French. Unless you are French. And then the last, well, the three years that I remember, the, the Pro D2 teams won it every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Would yeah, it's mental. Right. Like, imagine that happening in England with the, the second bottom team of the Prem playing against the the, the loser of the the previous when it was championship playoff. I mean, you'd... Imagine. It would, it would be a bloodbath. Like it wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't factor. So, yeah, that that blows my mind. But talking of away days, the, probably my best rugby experience of all time. And he'll he'll watch this podcast. My boy Frankie, I've got to shout him out. Um, we, my last game for Never ever was Biarritz away, and we were on a we were on a run of wins, and we had we had targeted this game. We were like lads, one away game, we are going to win this game, and we went down there. And we had a week off afterwards and me and Frankie had organised to go to like stay at the W in Barcelona because obviously we went, so we're like Biarritz, San Sebastian, Barcelona. It was going to be the, we planned it all out and we were like, if we win that game and then go and do our, even if we lose it and go and have our little holiday, it'll be amazing. But if we win it, it will just be the best thing ever. And we were like losing 10-3 at halftime. At halftime, we're in the change of going mental, like boys, just give everything you've got. We go out at, Second half, we like pull it back, and with about four minutes to go, Frank charges him down and scores the, the try to bring it level. And then I hit the conversion to win it, and we just <laughs> go absolute like berserk. Like, I've never had a feeling like it. We are going mental. They kick off, we mess up the kickoff. They've got a penalty in front of the sticks to win it, like clock dead, and he shanks it. That uh, that beer it's ten. Pierre Bernard, do you remember him? I'm not sure, but yeah, go on. Your time, but anyway, yeah, he, he pulled it, and like one scrum, we kick it off. Final whistle goes. We go absolutely mental. Poor lad, you were like, oh, I won't name any names. Bloody poor Pierre, Pierre. whatever his name. Pierre, is. If Pierre Bernard watched this, I would be shocked. But if it, <laughs> um, but yeah, and then like when like beers in Biarritz, then down to San Sebastian, then flew to Barcelona. If it is unbelievable. Class. Yeah, was, I mean, and that was my last let's, game. Be, let's be honest, that was your last game. Let's be honest, there are some unbelievable spots that you go and play in the south of France, aren't there? Hey, you know, like places I'd never even heard of. San John de Luz. I'd never heard the word San John de Luz in my life, and now I want to retire there. It is. <laughs> and like, yeah, we went, like, we'd get a week off, like, rugby aside, we'd get a week off going to Chamonix, like, yeah. which, which is unbelievable. But like that, yeah, down in the south, places no one's ever heard of. And it's sort of like in between two big cities you have heard of, just these little yeah. big towns or these little like... We played San John de Luz in, in Fed One, and that's in France. And It's on the got, border, isn't it, with Spain? Yeah, it's right on the border. And the day, but we got a taxi to San Sebastian, spent the day in San Sebastian on the beach, like having the best time. I felt like I was on holiday and then came back to San John de Luz and played the rugby game and stuff. And it was just like... Some of the spots you see are just absolutely unbelievable, honestly. Yeah. No, mate, so a hell of a rugby experience that you had, it sounds like, abroad. And, yeah. and it sounds like you're one day probably thinking about heading back abroad. Um, it's been awesome to have you on the podcast, mate. Episode 15 is going to be a massive, massive hit. With <laughs> obviously all the Le Leicester Tigers fans. Hopefully we get a retweet. <laughs> um <laughs> Don't know how popular I am with all, with all of those. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm sure you are. You, you have to make it happen. 
Um, no, no, mate, I, I really appreciate your time. I know you've got a heavy schedule of training. I think we've been trying to organise this for like three weeks. So Yeah, we have, mate. So, and do you know what? None of it's been your fault. It's all been my fault. <laughs> I do apologise, but so good to catch up, brother. Yeah, awesome, man. I'm really, really, really grateful for your time. And hopefully we'll catch up soon. And we'll awesome. see how you're getting on uh, come the end of the season. Brilliant, mate. Nice one. I'll chat to you soon, yeah? You can subscribe to the podcast at rugbyabroad.com. Thanks for listening in and I hope you join me for the journey.